Coffee and came to minister to us. So they minister over at Hillside just now, and they're here to minister to us here at Itaewon. Uh, his name is Pastor John Kim. Uh, Pastor John has been, he's originally from Miami and did uh, about seven years of ministry at Grace Church in California. And a man filled with the Spirit of God. And uh, after his tenure in California, he uh, started doing ministry with YWAM. And he's currently on leadership uh, with a ministry that's being formed called Call to All, uh, which is a ministry that is uh, pioneering, helping ministers to pioneer churches and church plants. And so uh, he's doing that uh, with YWAM, and uh, it's such a pleasure to have him. Also, his wife, Joyce, is here with us as well, and their baby, Kairos. They're all here, and Kairos is ready to lay hands. (laughs) All right. So uh, let's put our hands together. Welcome up, Pastor John Kim. Come on. want to reintroduce my wife and son. Uh, honey, if you could stand with the... Uh, oh, you're feeding him right now. So, yeah, uh, if you guys can give, give her a hand. Uh, she... <laughs> it's not easy pushing a baby out of you. Uh, I have no idea how that feels, but I was there, and it hurt just watching. So, um, yeah. Uh, but uh, it's a blessing to be here with you guys. Uh, yeah, we just arrived in Korea at 5.15 in the morning. And uh, having a, a four-month-old, uh, you don't sleep. And so forgive me if I blabber. Uh, but uh, I was praying that the Lord uh, would give me strength, uh, that you would receive the message that uh, the Holy Spirit wants. Uh, and not for you to just sit and listen to a message, but that... Uh, uh, the eyes of your heart uh, will be enlightened uh, that will cause you to uh, move and walk deeper in fellowship with the Lord. And so uh, if you guys have your Bibles, if you could rise with me. And uh, go back to Luke chapter 24. I uh, just wanted us to do some reading together as a, as a congregation. So turn to uh, Luke chapter 24. And uh, we'll read verses 13 to 27. Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 27. I want you guys to read the odd verses, and I'll read the even verses out loud. And I know we may be reading from different versions, but that's okay. Uh, Holla loud, holla proud. Amen. So Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 27. One, two, three. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem, and have you not known the things which had happened here in these days? And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? 
Amen. If you guys can remain standing, uh, why don't you just uh, place your hands on the person's shoulder on, uh, uh, next to you? Yeah, Holy Spirit, we ask you that you open the eyes of our hearts, Lord. That the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus would be revealed to us, God. Empower us this morning, or this afternoon. Lord, we love you and we need you. God, reveal yourself in our midst. Lord, we know that you love to reveal yourself to us. To those that are hungering, those that are thirsting to know more of you. Yeah, I just want to pray a blessing upon this campus and, uh, Lord, all the ministries, the pastors, the leaders, Lord, the members, the newcomers that are represented here. Lord, we pray, uh, Lord, that uh, this campus and this church would, would move and operate, Lord, out of the fruit of the Spirit in oneness, Lord, uh, uh, bearing your fruits, God. May, may this ministry bear fruits, Jesus, that you would enjoy to eat. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys may take your seats. Yeah. Right. Uh, in Luke chapter 24, uh, what we just read uh, uh, was from the scripture uh, that our sister read uh, about these two guys on the road to Emmaus. They were talking about uh, how their hearts were burning inside of them. And uh, this afternoon, I want to share with you guys about uh, the fire of revelation. And uh, uh, basically, if you guys don't know what that word means, it just means that something is revealed that was hidden or not known. And basically, what, what's important for us to understand is that we need to have a revelation in order to understand who Jesus is. Because uh, we cannot know Jesus with our flesh. Uh, people can listen to the same sermon. People can be at the same conference. One could be super dead and not receive anything and think that it was a waste of time. And to another person being at the same place, uh, it, it was a matter of life for them. So it's a matter of revelation. It's how much of our, uh, 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 the eyes of our hearts have, have been opened to seeing Jesus that wasn't seen before. The two guys that were walking, what's interesting is they were talking about Jesus to Jesus. I know this is really funny, but this is actually the sad reality of the church. We talk about Jesus, and then when He shows up in our midst, we don't even know that He's here. And the reason why is because we're, we're too busy. Uh, uh, we're, we're satisfied with just talking about Him. And we got to move away from that, from just talking about Him and now being revealed uh, 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 by Him. Amen. He needs to reveal Himself to us. That is a matter of us receiving a revelation or not. You can. Uh, uh, that's why we need pastors and teachers and evangelists. We need people who have received the revelation of Jesus and to teach us. Uh, but we also need to seek the Lord ourselves, and, uh, and we need to be in the business of seeking the Lord. Because without our own encounter, there is no way that you can uh, uh, sustain yourself with somebody else's revelation. There's, you can only go so far. And I want to encourage you guys. I feel like the word that the Lord is giving me uh, uh, to you guys is basic, basically to love seeking the Lord. And I'm, I'm going to uh, share with you guys uh, in the scriptures that when Jesus reveals himself to you, whatever he reveals is actually rooted and grounded in love. It's rooted in who he is. It's rooted in uh, his identity. And uh, whenever he reveals himself to us, what, what actually happens is uh, the more he reveals himself to us, the more we want to know more. I don't know if that makes sense. I'll say something that probably doesn't make sense that makes sense. It's like this. The more you pray, the more you pray. Amen? Yeah, the more you pray, the more you pray. That's just the bottom line. Uh, it doesn't make sense grammatically, but 
It's when you're in the presence of God, you're not satisfied with, with just with yesterday's encounter. You're not satisfied with, with seven years ago, your summer camp, when you cried for the first time. Like, like, that's not enough. You want to be with the Lord every day. The more you encounter Him, the more you want to encounter Him. Amen? And so, um, these two guys on the road to Emmaus, uh, they were talking to Jesus about Him, not knowing that it was Him. And so they're actually kind of frustrated at Jesus because they think that he doesn't know what happened. Because if, if you guys know the scriptures, Luke 24, these two disciples, they're talking to Jesus who rose again from the grave. So Jesus, in the fullness of his glory, resurrected body, they're talking to him, not knowing uh, who he was. And uh, then I want you guys to skip down. Uh, the last verse that we read in verse 27. The Bible says that beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. This is what I call the greatest Bible study of all time. Amen. I mean, how many of us would want Jesus teaching to us about himself? I'm pretty sure he never stumbled upon his word. I'm sure that he knew the word inside out because he is the word. I'm sure that when he spoke, that, uh, that something supernatural happened. And we know something supernatural happened because, you know, skip a few verses down. Verse 32 talks about when these two guys are talking with each other, they started talking about burning hearts. Like, they had, like, not heartburn because of, of what they ate, but... Basically, uh, when the Bible says that their hearts were burning, what I believe what happened was uh, 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 that uh, spirit of revelation came upon these two guys and it hit their spirits so that whatever affected their spirit actually affected their bodies. And so here they are talking with each other about, did not our hearts burn within us when He talked with us? When he opened the scriptures to us, there's two things about this verse that I wanted to share. Is uh, I, I want you to take a look at that verse, and I want you to, if, if you're writing notes or you're, uh, or, or what, whatever, I want you to uh, uh, take a note at uh, when the Bible says, "While he talked with us," and right after that, when it says, "While he opened the scriptures to us," because what's interesting is that the Bible makes two different distinguishes. That Jesus is a regular guy and he talks with us. That's why the prophetic word is so important. Because he still talks with us. But not only that, of course, he talks to us through the scriptures. And he will not go against his word. He will not contradict himself. And the only way that we would be able to discern him talking with us is if we know the scriptures. And so the first thing, if you really want to encounter the Lord, you want to receive a revelation, you have to love and treasure the revelation of all revelation, and that is the Word of God. There's no way around it. There's no shortcuts. Uh, 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 this amazing book, uh, uh, it's actually not just one book, but 66 books. It, it, this book is a library. If you study the history of the Word of God, you will never find another recorder document as close to what we have in our hands. You basically have 40 different authors who lived in a time period of 1,400 years. Most of them never met each other, never lived in the same time, and they're writing of the same thing, of Jesus. We have so many people who were killed and martyred to get the book to us, and for us to treat it lightly, that is a big sin. I'm sure if John Wycliffe or William Tyndale, these guys who translated the Bible in everyday English for us to have it, if they found out that uh, we, we keep our Bibles in the trunk of our cars, they would be pissed. <laughs> they died. You know what I'm saying? 
to get the Word of God to us, uh, these are people who really sacrificed because they believed in the validity of the Word of God and the transformations you know, you know, it has. Uh, my wife and I, we serve um, in Youth with a Mission, uh, uh, as well as a, another missions organization called Call to All. And uh, what, one of the things that, uh, uh, that I love is that uh, we're all about uh, praying for the transformation of nations through the Scriptures. There is no way that we could experience transformation, I'm talking about on levels of nations, without having the Word of God being declared. And I want to share with you, you have everything that you need to prosper, to excel, to grow in the Lord with the book that you have in your hands. You have everything that, that you need. All you need is a willing heart and submit to the Word of God and let the Word of God read you. You don't own the, the Word of God and, 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 uh, in the context of you have jurisdiction over the Word of God. What Pastor Christian was talking about, uh, a lot of people don't understand the disciplines of the Lord. Uh, and, and it's because uh, we have these certain lenses. We look at the Word of God and we, not knowingly, we block out certain scriptures of the Bible without knowing. Uh, I don't know if you guys highlight your Bibles. Um, I do, but I try not to. And there's nothing wrong with it. But the reason why I try not to is because um, uh, I focus more on what I highlight than what I don't highlight. And I question myself, why did I highlight that verse and not the other verses that I didn't? Because a lot of times when we highlight verses, we try to pick and find the scriptures that, that, that most relates with me. And then we ignore the scriptures that you could care less about. But how many of you guys believe that every bit of the Word of God is important? Amen. Turn to the person and say, every bit of the Word of God is important. Amen. Uh, please turn with me uh, to the book of uh, John chapter 20. Go to John chapter 20, and uh, basically the outcome of Luke 24 was the two disciples have a revelation of Jesus, finally. But it took them a while. Okay, so here is another example of somebody who kind of missed the mark. Uh, John chapter 20, uh, we'll read verses 24 to 29. And you read the even, and I'll read the odd. John chapter 20, verses 24 to 29. One, two, three. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And let's read verse 29 all together. One, two, three. Amen. This is another example in Scripture about Revelation. The Bible uh, clearly says that Thomas for eight days was unbelieving of the resurrection. Now, I want you to, I don't want to go into the theological dynamics of this, but to say he did not believe in the risen Lord. He didn't. The <laughs> Bible clearly said, he said, unless if I see and touch, I'm not going to believe. He was so stern that basically he was ignoring what Jesus said before and that he was now looking up to external factors to believe. 
And so for eight days, I will dare to say, Thomas was an unbeliever. Do you know how scary that is? What if something happened to him during those eight days? Now that's why I said I don't want to get into the dynamics of what is, because I don't even know. But I don't want to put myself in that place. To be unbelieving, not even for a day. Amen? But Thomas was unbelieving, and the Bible says that finally Jesus appears, and now he reveals himself. Basically, Thomas receives a revelation of Jesus. We all need a revelation of Jesus. Without a revelation of Jesus, we are all nothing but Thomases. But you see, what's sad about Thomas is that he stuck with this title. That he's been known for a long time. And everybody, you know, when you say Thomas, you're like, oh, you mean doubting Thomas? So he has this like sad, you know, adjective in front of his name. He's, he's, he's the guy who doubts, right? He's doubting Thomas. But I want to share with you guys what Jesus can do to a person when he restores a person's faith. Because obviously Thomas did not doubt the rest of his life, and yet that's what we call him. There was something different about Thomas that I want you guys to understand. Because after Jesus rose again from the grave, after he he appeared before 500 witnesses, and he ascended into heaven, one of the last things that Jesus told his disciples was to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Guys remember that? The Great Commission, uh, something that uh, we all need in our hearts, something that we need to be living and dying for. Basically, it's this message that people need to know the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so uh, Jesus, he, he gives the Great Commission. He tells, go into all the world. And, uh, and so he, he, he rises and he ascends and, and, and he's seated at the right hand of God. But when you look at all the other apostles... When they all left after they were filled with the Spirit in Acts 2, and they went out to evangelize, all the apostles except for Thomas, all went out within the boundaries of the Roman Empire to preach the gospel. I want you to think about that because Jesus gave the command to go into all the world. And those apostles were there. Thomas was there too. But if you guys know church history, do you guys know how far Thomas went to preach the gospel? Somebody said it up in the front. Can you say it again? Yeah. India. So 2,000 years ago, you have Thomas, who everybody considers as a man who doubts, literally goes into all the world by going into unknown territory to preach the gospel. But How? Because he had a revelation of Jesus. That's what empowered him. That's what fueled him. And you know what's crazy? It's not documented in Scripture, but if you read church history, uh, what what, uh, historians have documented was uh, Thomas went into India to preach the gospel, and uh, he had his head chopped off. But uh, while his head was chopped off, he was still speaking the gospel. And so this was the power that was on Thomas. And so if you go to that part of India, you see the, uh, there are some people that uh, kind of uh, made uh, some monuments to recognize Thomas, who went all the way to India to preach the gospel. This is, how, this is what a revelation of Jesus can do. It's life-changing. I'm pretty sure that before you met Jesus, you would never have thought that right now you would be where you are. But one revelation of Jesus changed your life, and you are here this afternoon because of Him. Because without Him, who knows where we would be? Who knows what our lives would be like if we did not have a revelation of Jesus? That's why all the more we need to press in for more. Let's not be satisfied with last week's glory. Amen? Let's live from glory to glory. And the only way that we'll get to that place is if we get to, our, to, to posture our hearts and say, Jesus, I need you. Lord, I need you to reveal yourself to me more and more. 
This is the only way. Turn with me. Uh, to uh, John chapter actually the same same chapter but a few verses ahead uh, we'll read verses 11 to 18 John 20 verses 11 to 18 if you guys can read the odd I'll read the even 1, 2, 3 And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. And let's read 18 together. One, two, three. Amen. Mary Magdalene had almost a similar encounter of the two guys on the road to Emmaus and Thomas, but something changed. Her story wasn't exactly the same. It may look like it. But once again, she's talking to Jesus, thinking that he's a gardener. And so, uh, so, so it looks like it's the same. And so she is talking to him and uh, basically... What everything changed was the moment when Jesus called her name. She was at a point where she was so intimate with Jesus that all it took for her was for Jesus to call her name. And she instantly recognized that it was Jesus. I believe the Lord is calling us all the time, calling us by our names. Some respond and some don't. I don't believe, uh, you know, this hearing the voice of God. Uh, I don't believe God made it difficult. He actually made it easy. He, he actually makes himself known to non-believers just by his creation. You can have a revelation of God by what you see God create. I mean, you know this, if you go anywhere with stunning views, one of the amazing things that you say is, wow, God is awesome. We have the big privilege and blessing to live in Hawaii. It's not bad. Yeah. It's beautiful. I don't want to go too much because right now, you know, you're thinking about Hawaii and not Jesus. But... <laughs> But when you see, like, the waterfalls, I mean, just in the island that we live in, I think 13 out of the 15 uh, climates are found on the big island. There's snow there in Hawaii. You can surf and ski, you know, on the same day. There's rainforest. Like, there's so many different things that you can experience there. And you see and you get amazed by, by what you see God create and God make. I, I, you know, I don't want to go too much, but if you even study the, the, the galaxies, Albert Einstein, what he said was, man, uh, if the God of the Christians uh, you know, is who they say uh, that he is, then this God is a really big God because he created everything. And then he, what he said right after that was he said, but man, but the way Christians view their God is not this God. Because even Albert Einstein knew that, man, God created something amazing. And it's something that only God could do. And so God reveals himself, and uh, that's what a lot of uh, theologians like to call a general revelation of God.
But the only personal revelation of God you will not find uh, in trees or in the mountains, but you will only find that in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus, uh, 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 people ask Jesus to say, oh, can you show us the Father? And Jesus' answer was, have you not been with me long enough that if you've seen me, you have seen the Father? He is the direct revelation of God because He is God. Mountains and the trees and waterfalls, they are not God. That's why you cannot have a personal salvation encounter just through nature. You are aware of God, but the only way that we could find salvation and personal relationship with God is only through Christ. And so we need a revelation of Jesus, and the only way for us to have a revelation of Jesus is by the Holy Spirit. I want to share with you... uh, a uh, few uh, stories of uh, people receiving a revelation. Uh, and I'm encouraged to hear you guys evangelize here in this town. Um, uh, yeah, I just really want to encourage you guys to keep doing it because I know it's uh, probably more difficult in Asia uh, than I guess in the West. Uh, you, know, you know, it depends who you talk to. But regardless, uh, I'm so glad that you guys aren't about excuses like, oh, it doesn't work here because God works. Amen. And, uh, uh, but even in the difficult times, if you cry out to God for people to encounter a revelation of Jesus Christ, by your intercession, they are able to, to be saved. And so I want you guys to understand how crucial it is for you to preach the gospel. Uh, when I was in California, uh, the Lord uh, spoke to me about uh, uh, the evangelization of the whole world. Because how many of you guys know, you know, you're, you're a Christian filled with the Holy Spirit. You want to take over the world for the Lord. Amen. Amen. And so one, one of the things the Lord spoke to me was, if there are like one point something billion, you know, people out there who call themselves followers of Jesus. If we just preach the gospel to five or six non-believers, then bam, we're done. <laughs> Amen. So that's kind of how the Lord spoke to me. So, uh, uh, so the Lord coined this thing in my heart called the vision of five. And so I was really preaching this, trying to get um, our church and our members to preaching the gospel because uh, just in the Western world alone, uh, it said something about over 95% of Western Christians have never shared the gospel, not even once. So 95% of Christians. And the gospel is not this. Oh, do you go to church? Do you want to go to church with me? Uh, That's not the gospel. (laughs) Amen? So a lot of people think that they share the gospel when they invite somebody to church. And of course, church is an avenue for them to hear the gospel. Uh, But many times people don't respond to an invitation to go to church. And so so with this statistic, about 95% of Western Christians have never shared their faith. And so the Lord prompted my heart with this thing called the vision of five. And so uh, I was on this journey and quest to have at least people at my church win five new believers. Not go to another church or take five people from the church down the street and bring them to our church and say, I got my five. This was basically preaching to how many people it takes to win five new souls uh, uh, for that year. And of course, you had guys, you know, who did a lot more, but just the number five was something that the Lord was highlighting. But uh, just at this time, the Lord uh, spoke to my heart and said, John, uh, you got to be the example in your church. You got to go get your five. And uh, so I set my heart, I, I, I declared to the church and said, tomorrow would be our deadline and, you know, without a warning, I said, tomorrow will be our deadline to bring five to the Lord. And I said, preach to however many it takes. And the Lord was stirring my heart so strongly about this. And I was encouraging the guys saying, you know, the Holy Spirit, he's with you. He will give you power. And so everybody was pumped up. And so uh, the next morning, early in the morning, I started to receive texts. And one person texted me and said, Pastor John, already brought three people to, to the Lord. And it's not even 6 o'clock in the morning. And uh, so I'm getting all these texts, phone calls, and people saying, 
Man, I just preached the gospel to this person. I thought she would never accept Christ, but she just did. And so there was a lot of favor, and I was getting so excited. Um, and then, uh, but just somehow throughout that day, uh, time was lost. Uh, what actually happened was somebody in my church uh, almost was killed in a fight that night, uh, on Sunday night, and uh, was actually uh, stabbed several times and almost died uh, f- uh, for loss, loss of blood. And so I get a phone call from his mother uh, asking me to go pray for him. And so uh, I lived in Orange County. He lived in Chatsworth. If you guys don't know, uh, with traffic in California, uh, that's the only thing, the only terrible thing about California. But uh, basically it takes at least two hours to get there. And so already, you know, time has gone by and I have to travel two hours north and travel back two hours again. So that's at least four hours of my day just in the car, let alone spending time with him and praying with him and all that. But I was really pressed on my heart to bring five people to the Lord. And I know it's not impossible. Amen? But uh, I'm driving, and I'm stuck in traffic. I'm, I'm very antsy. And I, and I said, Lord, give me power to preach the gospel at the hospital. And so as soon as I park the car, I am in the hospital... And the first thing that I see is I see a grown man rolling around on the ground acting like a child. And uh, uh, I felt that, okay, maybe I should go lay hands on him. Like crazy signs and wonders will happen and everybody in the hospital will be healed and saved. (laughs) Crazy revival. And uh, bam, I'm done. Like one shot, right? (laughs) But I was so gripped with the fear of man that my heart was beating so fast and I felt like I can't. And so I was looking at everybody at the hospital and I was like, okay, why am I struggling to approach this person about Jesus? I do this all the time. I get paid to do this. Why am I struggling? And so uh, I'm at the hospital and you know, I meet this guy from my church and I slap him around a couple of times and say, why are you being an idiot? Um, uh, and I prayed over him. And doctors kept saying that, like, you know, it's a miracle that he's alive. Uh, and so, you know, I'm praying for him. I, I'm uh, uh, sharing him just uh, from the Word of God, praying for speedy recovery. And uh, I said, Lord, when I go back down to Orange County, I will continue to preach the gospel. Stuck in traffic, I, you know, by the time I get home, it's like 7 p.m., and I said, Lord, I will do this. And so I'm driving around my neighborhood, and I don't see anybody out on the streets. And this was something really weird. I said, Lord, let me approach somebody. And so I go to 7-Eleven. There's always some, somebody there, right? Uh, no one's there, just a clerk. And uh, so I don't want to preach the gospel to him, so I just leave. And I'm just in this battle in my mind about this just being gripped by the fear of man. And as I'm driving, uh, suddenly there's a police officer that drives behind me, and he's following me. And uh, so I, you know, there's no cars driving my direction. I change lanes, and he's driving right behind me. I know he's following me. I turn into a random neighborhood. He's following me. And I said, Lord, I can't get a ticket. And uh, so as I'm driving, praying for this police officer to, to leave, Uh, The Holy Spirit begins to speak to me and says, John, uh, do you think that police officer is afraid to pull you over? And obviously I said, no. And he said, why? And I said, because he has been given authority to pull me over, and so he would not be afraid. And so this is what's happening. and, uh, and, And in the midst of that, I drive by a Jehovah's Witness church. And I'm driving by and the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, go in there and preach the gospel. And I said, no way. <laughs> I am not going to go into Jehovah's Witness church and preach, preach the gospel. So I'm driving and, uh, you know, finally I surrender to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, John, I have given you the authority to preach the gospel. Go and do it. 
And so I turned the car back around and uh, I drove to the parking lot of the Jehovah's Witness Church. And I sat in there with my hands uh, stuck on the steering wheel because I would not leave the car. And I was praying and I said, Holy Spirit, you're going to have to empower me and force me to get out. Because there's no way that I'm going (laughs) to go in there and preach the gospel. The church was packed. There was a Monday night service. And the parking lot was full of cars. And I said, uh, uh, you got to, some, something supernatural needs to happen. But he didn't say a word. He was just silent. And I said, Holy Spirit, okay, fine. You're not going to, you know, zap me or whatever. Uh, I'm going to go out of my car and, uh, and go in there. And you're going to give me the words to speak. So that's what I told him. So I get out of the car. I go up to the front door of the church. And there are two greeters at the church. And they say, hello, and I just stand there waiting for this empowerment to come. (laughs) And there's nothing. And so they're staring at me because I'm not saying anything. And it's so awkward. (laughs) And after like three minutes of silence, seriously, which is really awkward, you're not saying a thing. I don't know why, but the first thing that came out of my mouth was, How do I become a Jehovah's Witness? And so they said, you want to know? Come on in, we'll tell you. So they escort me inside the church. And I'm like, God, what the heck is going on? I don't feel a tingling sensation. I don't feel like I have this crazy, you know, heavenly experience. I'm nervous. I'm scared. I have no idea what's going on. And I'm in there and the place is packed. I feel so dirty. I'm like, how could I be in a Jehovah's Witness church? And, uh, you know, so I'm in there and, uh, uh, just long story short, uh, the service ends. A lot of people are very interested in finding out who I am because they think I came to make the initiative to become a Jehovah's Witness. And so they're talking to me, asking me questions, giving me their literature, telling me to read this and read that. And I basically tell them, you have to tell me and convince me why I should become a Jehovah's Witness. And so there's a big crowd in the foyer of the church, literally like over like 20 people and people all excited. And I'm asking all these questions. They have no idea who, who I am, why I'm there. And uh, because I still don't feel this unction from the Holy Spirit, I'm just saying so many things. I'm trying to like drag, you know, uh, 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 just to make time to feel this special power from the Holy Spirit. And so I'm there listening to their doctrines, dialoguing with them, asking them questions, and um, uh, countering. Uh, they have no idea that I am a Christian, let alone a pastor. Uh, <laughs> And uh, so, so we're still continuing talking. And, uh, uh, and there was just a lot of things that they were sharing that I said, it just does not make sense. Uh, I'll give you a, a few examples. Um, they don't believe in hell. And uh, so they believe that uh, because God is a God of love, He will not send anybody to hell. And so for those who don't believe in Jehovah, they will be an eternal state of sleep. And so that was one of their strong cases of why I should become a Jehovah's Witness. That did not make sense to me. And I told them, I said, there is no urgency for me to become a Jehovah's Witness. There's no punishment. There's no, like, there's no fine line between what you believe. If I don't believe, then if I'm in a state of sleep, heck, I like to sleep. I don't mind sleeping forever. I think it might feel good. And so just uh, you know, uh, talking about how Jesus is not God, He's not fully God. He's like in between the status of the highest angel and God. So he's like uh, higher than an angel, but lesser than God. And uh, they're sharing with me because the version of the Bible that they use, it's very similar to the scriptures that we read, but they totally twist the scriptures. And so pretending that I'm not a Christian, I say, well, this is what I hear some Christians say, and I started countering with what they were saying. Um, but, uh, uh, and, and with long story short, 
after several hours being with them at the church, I'm left there with five people. One of the five was the pastor of the Jehovah's Witness Church. And so after realizing that everybody had left, they turned off the lights, and there's only five remaining with me, I said, Lord, this is crazy. These five are going to become Christians? Like, and, and the Jehovah's Witness pastor is going to get saved? And uh, so uh, because I didn't feel this, I was waiting for the Holy Spirit. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was just getting way too long. And uh, I, I basically said, uh, you know, just to be honest with you guys, uh, I am a born-again Christian, filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and Jesus sent me to, tell, to, uh, uh, to share with you that He is God and that He is the Son of God. And He died on the cross, rose again from the grave, and He saved you from your sins. And if you believe in Him right now, you will be saved. And uh, right after I said that, uh, the pastor uh, grabbed his briefcase and he slammed it you know, uh, across and said, Get out of here. And uh, so, uh, so I got out of there. <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, so I left, but I was so proud of myself. Like, I was like, I was so happy. I was like, I was like, dude, I I went in there, I did it. And I'm walking to my car, and as I'm getting to my car, uh, I felt the Holy Spirit saying. Uh, no one came to know Jesus. And so that was a reality that uh, struck my heart. And then finally after that, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, John, now you are ready to preach the gospel. What I felt the Holy Spirit showing me was that uh, I felt very comfortable with my experience of preaching the gospel, that I felt like I can do this on my own strength. And the Holy Spirit was reminding me that I cannot do this outside of His authority. No matter how experienced I am, no matter what training I've had, I must submit to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, trust in His leadership, and do what He says for me to do. And I felt like in, in the name of being an evangelist or whatever, that I had all, all authority to do whatever I want, not thinking that I must be like Jesus. Jesus only did what He saw the Father do. And so after I felt the Holy Spirit telling me, now you're ready to preach the gospel, He would give me clear words to go to specific people to preach the gospel to them. The Holy Spirit specifically told me, go back to 7-Eleven. I go back and there's two guys there. One, a Russian guy, uh, he buys a whole case of beer. And on his way uh, from paying for the beer to his car, I'm following him, talking with him. And uh, as I'm talking with him, he's listening to what I was saying. And I was telling him about Jesus, who he, uh, who he is, what he did, and why he needs Jesus. And he sat there just staring at me uh, as, as we sat on the ground. And I shared with him Jesus Christ. And I asked him, I said, do you want to surrender your life to him? And he said, yes. And uh, right on the spot in 7-Eleven, I led him to the Lord. There was another guy at 7-Eleven that Lord let me talk to. I, I preached the gospel to him. Same result as I'm preaching the gospel. I see the Holy Spirit working. I could see the move of the Spirit in their eyes. And so the Lord leads me uh, uh, to go uh, to the uh, Fullerton train station. Now, it's like late at night. It's almost like 11 o'clock or something. And I'm like, Lord, there's nobody at the train station. No one's there. The train station is closed. But uh, after, you know, the lesson I learned, I had to follow the Holy Spirit. I went to the train station, and lo and behold, it was pitch black, no cars, no one was there. And so I stood there in the parking lot, and right before I was going to question the Lord, there was a, bu a city bus that came to drop off its last leg of passengers, and it was at the Fullerton train station. And as people were walking out off the bus, I started standing out there preaching the gospel while people were coming out of, out of the bus. As people were, were passing me by, one guy pulls out and stands and he listens to what I have to say. And uh, I ask him if he wants to receive Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior and he surrenders his life to the Lord. Uh, right after that, uh, 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 the Lord instructed me, go, go to the train tracks. As crazy as it may sound, I just knew not to question it. I went to the train tracks. 
and it was, you know, it was, it was really dark. And as soon as I turned the corner to get to the back of the uh, train station, to the train tracks, I see a woman standing in the back doing this. If you do that at like 11 o'clock at night, something's wrong with you. <laughs> she was literally twirling in circles in the back of the train station. And uh, I went to her and I asked her, I said, uh, excuse me, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> and uh, she pointed at two stars and she said, do you see that star? And I said, yeah. And do you see that star? And I said, yeah. And she said, that star right there is my mother. And that other star, that is my father. And then after I listened to her, I turned to her and I said, that star is not your mother and that star is not your father. Uh, she was dabbling in some occult or whatever. She was believing in some new age stuff. And I began to speak to her the truth of Jesus Christ. And I could see literal deception leaving her eyes. And uh, at the end of that, I asked her, I said, do you want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ? And she said, yes. And I lead her to the Lord at the back of the train station. And uh, uh, I'm rushing to get back to the car, and I, and I felt the Lord saying, go to the supermarket. And uh, I get in my car. It's like a little past 11 o'clock. It's, uh, it's really late. And I drive to the supermarket, and I see this car parked right in front of the entrance to the supermarket with its hood up. And a woman, that's, she looks frantic. And uh, so I pull over and I say, excuse me, can I help you? And so her car wouldn't start. Uh, no one was out there to help her. And I had some drinks in the back of my car. I just gave her a whole case of, like, drinks. And I uh, told her I would love to help, help her out. Uh, I found out it was, uh, she just had a dead battery. I helped jumpstart her car. And uh, basically, I told her, I said, can I tell you why I'm here? And uh, she's all ears. She said, I was standing out here for over an hour, and nobody stopped by to help me. I saw people walking in and out of the supermarket. And uh, she said, you don't believe this, but today was the worst day of my life. And uh, so I started speaking to her. I said, this is why I'm here. Jesus told me to come here because I would meet you. And I start preaching to her the gospel, and she starts weeping while I'm preaching the gospel to her. As I'm sharing Jesus with her, she's, she's tears just running down her face. And uh, I asked her, I said, do you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And uh, uh, she looked at me and she said, you don't understand. Uh, I used to go to church when I was a little girl. But after my parents got a divorce, I stopped going to church. And so she was, uh, 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 she was older and uh, so it's been a very long time since uh, she went to church. And she said, just recently, a Korean pastor came and preached the gospel to me. And I felt like I was not worthy because of my life or whatever. And so she didn't receive Christ. And here was another opportunity for her to receive Jesus. And now she knew that the Lord was really after her. And uh, so uh, I lead her to the Lord. And uh, she was just so happy and thrilled. And just by the time I got to my car, as I sat down, turned on the engine, I saw the clock. It said 11.59, and it turned midnight, literally right when I closed the door of my car. And I realized that uh, when we have a revelation of Jesus, you cannot keep it to yourself. I want to encourage you guys, New Philly Church, not to fit into that 95% category of, of Western Christians who never share their faith. I want to encourage you that the Holy Spirit has given you authority because He has given you a revelation of Jesus Christ. You may think, oh, I'm not qualified. I don't know enough. I wouldn't know how to answer the questions. That's okay. Share Jesus. Share what you know of Jesus. Share your testimony, revelation that you have. Sometimes we feel like we need to have some like crazy, dramatic, 180, you know, testimony in order for our testimony to be legit. It doesn't matter what kind of lifestyle you had. Jesus makes our testimony legit. 
Doesn't matter what lifestyle you lived before, because sometimes people glorify their former lifestyle more than Jesus in their testimony. That does not glorify Jesus. Without Jesus, you have no testimony. So why do people spend 95% of their story time sharing about how cool they were? Your story and your life is nothing without Jesus. So let your testimony be filled with Jesus. How the Holy Spirit encountered you. How He revealed you the testimony of Jesus Christ. Because we know that in that uh, 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 terrible day of the Lord. And I need to share this with you because, um, you know, as Pastor Christian was sharing about this brother of whom they con- confronted, uh, how Pastor Christian, how he dealt with it, it is from the Scripture. And I don't think he has such a, you know, he's not having a, a you know, a, he's, he's not like having fun while he's saying all this. I know he has a fear of the Lord. I know the pastors and the leadership have the fear of the Lord on this because no one wants to say something like that. No one does. But when we obey Scripture, God always blesses it. So many people think, oh, then there's no chance for this brother to, you know, uh, find the Lord or blah, 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 blah. No, that's the way you think in your flesh. There is more fruit when we obey the Word of God. And when we do it in that way, I just want to encourage you, when people follow the Scripture, even though it's offensive, God will produce the fruit. It'll take time, but God will do it. I want you to know that sometimes God will do this. And what I mean by this is He will offend us. Jesus said, Blessed are those who are not offended because of me. Now, why would He say that? Because everything about Jesus is offensive. He told you to die daily. He said, take up the cross. Do you think that is not offensive? See, for us, we don't think that's offensive because we use the word cross and we think a cross is beautiful. We wear it around our necks. Do you know what the equivalent of wearing a cross is from 2,000 years ago to today? It's like you wearing a, a, you know, a pennant of a, an electric chair. Who wants to wear an electric chair around your neck? Basically, what Jesus said was, sit on the electric chair every single day, turn it on, and die. And you don't think that's offensive? People hear that and they run away. They don't want to follow Jesus. Why? Because they want to live on their, live on their own terms. And that is not abundant life when we live for the sake of our own lives all it does is lead to destruction there is no room for two lives amen you cannot live your own life and add jesus on top of your life there's no such thing as two lives jesus said uh uh, take up the cross die daily and follow me only one life could live is it yours or is it jesus Let's all uh, stand. If I can invite the worship team to come forward. Uh, what I sense the Holy Spirit uh, leading me right now is that uh, is he's, um, he's eager to impart a re- revelation. And I don't think it's something new. Uh, what I believe is, uh, what I believe the Holy Spirit is wanting to do is uh, reminding you of things the Lord has done in your past. Basically, for you to look back at these major milestones in your life, And we need these. People in Israel back in the day, they set up monuments to never forget what the Lord did. That's why you read the Old Testament and there was always an instruction for them to remember uh, what what God did when He delivered the people from Egypt. He was always telling them, remember what I did. Remember what I brought you out of. Because He's always leading us closer to Him. There's always something more of himself that he wants to reveal. Thank you, Lord.
Lord, we don't want to talk about you and not even recognize that you're here in this place. Lord, we want to be those like John the Beloved who leaned on your chest, who pressed his head against your chest as he heard you speak. And as you reveal to John what you're doing in the end times, Lord, I pray that for ourselves, God. We are your beloved. Holy Spirit, we ask you to empower us, God. Lord, if we are offended by what you say, Lord, forgive us. It means that there's still too much of me. I haven't died yet. There's more of me that needs to die. Because dead people cannot talk back to God. Lord, work in our hearts, God. Expose those areas in our hearts, Lord.